0: No sleep till Draft Day! First year player draft prep episode with rankings and prospect guru Mason McCrae. It's
1: time for dingers!
2: Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just PD helping that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs joined again this evening from another revamped version of said murder room with Megadesk. Uh,
0: Robbie, what's happening tonight? Uh, Just enjoying the in-build version of Megadesk tonight, as you mentioned, Ty. I also have a chair that's not a wooden desk chair, with a blanket on top of it. I'm feeling pretty good about my life right now,
1: you know. Hopefully,
0: the audio and everything still works out really well. Um, But you know, I'm not going to complain. How are you?
2: You know, I'm surviving. We uh, we took the little guy to get his shots today, so he's a little grumpy and fussy. So it it led to some delays getting uh, ready to go, but. Um, I'm ready to go talk, talk, redrafting the board. Uh, we got Mason McCray with us tonight, who is our, let, let's call him in-house, in-house, uh, college expert. Um, he definitely loves to come on and talk college baseball. So Mason, welcome back to the show. Uh, I think you are the leading like appearance guy right now. So good on yeah. you.
3: That's all I care about. That's the only reason I kept coming on again. See, wait, wait. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's right Mace. mason's coming with a little swagger tonight i yeah. like that
0: that's why he's back <laughs> but yeah so, so tonight what we're gonna cover sorry ty go ahead i, I was just gonna start drinking but you go ahead <laughs> okay well tonight what we're what we're gonna cover is the first year player draft uh we're gonna go over the some of the free agents that signed uh we're gonna touch on some of the international players that have signed uh, because we don't like to work off the rumor mill, we're just going with who is signed as of today, January 5th. And uh, before we do all that, two of the three of us are going to indulge in some alcoholic beverages.
2: A long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon because good advice only comes in a bottle. The sound just sounds so great. I I love that sound. Like I honestly, like if if I had like OCD, I'm pretty sure you'd just
0: find me in a corner just opening this thing over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay well so we know we know ty's you know got some something brown mason I, I noticed you've got something interesting what's that you're drinking tonight
3: i do i actually have some purified drinking water from kroger
2: Ooh,
0: nice. very
3: nice kroger american
2: that's
0: no, i'm out of
3: gatorade so i can't record that again <laughs> so so i have a
2: great i have a great kroger story so uh coaching um amateur baseball a few years back rob and i's mutual friend smitty uh, who we've mentioned previously on the show had bomb never squad been
0: podcast. Uh,
2: ha, exactly. Head over to bomb squad. Check the boys out. Golfers out there. Um, little off the board behind the scenes. Uh, our boy Smitty we're talking about our boy, Jerry Lou, who is out abandoned dunes resort, which if you haven't made it out there yet, you need to put that on your list and get out there. So um, jump back to the story here. Um, Smitty had never been to Kroger ever. And as part of that experience, he come to realize that, they sell beer in the grocery store because we don't do that in Canada up here. Um, we have stores that are designed to sell beer. And it, so we walk in and there's an entire aisle of beer and I will never forget this day because he was just, he didn't know what to do. He just froze. He just froze <laughs> in the beginning of the aisle. And he's like, what is this place? Like, and <laughs> why is this here? Has anyone told them you're not allowed? <laughs> That's right. it, was, it was great. It was, it was so good. But yeah, uh, I I'm back on the Woodford reserve this evening um one of the go-tos here as we've talked about before
0: yeah i'm in the upper 30s of the waterloo darks that i have left so still working away on them uh thanks to the cold temperatures now what i can do is just leave it in the garage and then before we record i just you know bring it downstairs and now i'm setting it on top of old mega desk and i'll see how many of these i can make get a coaster empty well i haven't finished it yet it's just rough it's rough sawn lumber right now um, and, uh, yeah, after, after I get the other half of mega desk set up, then I will sand and then hundred percent a coaster. Can I make God, a, it, I'm a gentleman.
2: Can I make a suggestion? Assuming that there's no lo- other use case for said desk, cut out six little holes
0: for six beers. I thought about doing that. Just like I I've been con- contemplating where I'm going to put the microphone permanently. And I think just because i don't know i don't want this to end up being something where i'm like oh i remember when i did that oops i never should have i'm not gonna do that ty but i did think about it because i was gonna put like a little hole for cables and some other things and i thought no 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 no. let's just keep this to like wood and nails as primitive as can be don't don't fuss too much you know Um, Yeah, but i mean i don't disagree i mean worst case
2: you could create whack-a-mole for for your little guy
0: well I was gonna say I do still have a hammer just right beside me. So if I just go on mute for a while and nobody hears from me, I am probably just carving out my own little uh beer koozie from the wood. But anyway, um Ty, what are you on tonight?
2: I, I I've got the Woodford, we've covered that. So okay. um
0: we'll we'll get into
2: our list here because I know Mason's chomping at the bit. Uh we we spent a good what 30 minutes going through advanced metrics here uh before we hopped on. So um we, we lose Rob when we get there, Mason, but Rob, let, let's, <laughs> let's pick a side of the board. We're going to start on here and, and let's get into it.
0: What do you mean by pick a side? Are we just going to go with our, oh, like you mean, whether we're going to go top to bottom or bottom top.
2: Yeah, because I mean, we are drafting, so I assume we'll start at one.
0: Yeah, we're definitely going to start at one. So um, what we're going to do is this is everybody that would be available in your first year player draft and international players that have signed. We might just mention some of the other guys that have not yet signed, um, but here we go at The, uh, this is my, myself, Ty and Mason's combined rankings. And I'm going to let the boys um, discuss what's going on with these guys. So at one, we all agree, except for Ty, for some reason, that the best player is going to be Spencer Spencer Torkelson of Detroit. First base, third base is now what I'm starting to see some people. I think that's just um, people really wanting him to come up faster. So they're saying he might be a first baseman, but realistically, you know, drafted as a third baseman. So that's our first guy. I'll do the top five and then we can circle back to discuss. We've got Austin Martin of the Blue Jays as our consensus. Second pick Uh Ha-sung Kim is our consensus third. That's the newest San Diego Padre uh, likely second baseman, but he's rated still with fan as a shortstop. Emerson Hancock is coming in at four for us. And fifth is Max Meyer of Miami. So um, let's give Mason the floor first. Do tell Mason, what, what do you like? What do you not like on in these top five?
3: Well, so first of all, I didn't rank any of the international guys because I do not know anything about them at all.
0: Right. Mason said if he can't pronounce the name, he's not going to rank them. And I said, (laughs) I don't know if that's okay. And then there were some more expletives. So either way, Mason's not part of that (laughs) class. So let's not expect him to touch on those
1: guys.
3: (laughs) The first Torkelson is uh, very obvious. If this were a real uh, real world board, I would have Martin first ahead of him. But in fantasy, because of power, I have Torkelson one. Second, I have Meyer, mostly because of the fact that I had him fourth pre-board or pre-draft. And then he got taken by a really good org that lately has been great in development and who they've hired. So I moved him to two because of the fact that when they shift his axis on his fastball, he'll probably get about 18, 19 inches of vertical break. And at about 97 to 99 miles an hour and a 5'3 release height, that's very good. And he also has another long extension. So he'll probably have like a 3'9 vertical approach angle to like 3'8" on pitches up in the zone. So he's number two for that reason. So what
0: that means to people who are new to the podcast is that will be a lot of strikeouts, a lot of weak contact-induced pop-ups. Basically, a good pitcher is the end result.
3: Correct, yes. Please continue. approach angle equals good fastball up in zone. Good fastball up in zone equals high swing and miss rates.
0: You're correct.
2: I'm just frozen right now. Like, that might be the smartest thing Rob's ever said.
0: (laughs) Well, I just... I didn't want anybody to get lost... Who's like, okay, I listened to these nutballs through their dynasty (laughs) ranks. Um, You know, some of that information was of use to me. They they're giving away the dynasty ranks. If you just say, Hey, I've been listening to the pod. Thanks. Uh, You know, as I'd said to some people on Twitter, if you just show us, you know, the episode you're listening to take a screenshot of you listening as a thank you, we're going to give you all the dynasty ranks broken down. We're going to do the same thing with the prospect list after we've released them, but we're going to have a different format for that because we don't want people just coming back without listening to the episodes. It's a thank you, but I didn't want them to go away from that because we just had a smart person say smart things and used advanced metrics. I wanted people to fully understand that I can, I can, I'm not dumbing it down for them. I'm dumbing it down for me. All right, um, but I want them to know that obviously Max Meyer, who a lot of people thought was a weird pick to be the first pitcher off the board it's justified. And like Mason just said, going to Miami helps him because of what Miami has been able to do. And for everybody who wonders, you know, guys that we like off the board guys, Sandy Alcantara was somebody I really liked in 18 um, Miami's done good things with him. Watch what's going to happen with Sicto Sanchez. You know, one of the guys we're going to be talking about later this month, when we get into top prospects, it's a good thing to be a Miami pitcher now.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and it's, it's a big reason why for me, I've got Emerson Hancock actually as my number one. And it's a ballpark factor for me. And in fantasy, that makes a big difference. Yes, all these metrics are a big deal, but there's two really important things that Hancock has that Meyer does not. A bigger ballpark with heavier weather and three ridiculously young outfielders to go track down those balls. So give me the young outfield and the big ballpark all day, every day. Um, And so for me, that gets a huge bump for Hancock. And we talk about this all the time, Mason. For me, I'm a high floor guy. That's where I do a lot of my heavy lifting. I, I take risk out of the equation where I can. Um, Torkelson maybe has less risk, but there's no guarantee that in Detroit, another big ballpark, that his power is going to play to the level of did in college. So you take the metal bat away, you put the big ballpark in play, and you make it cold in September, April, and May. And all of a sudden that production normalizes a little bit. So it's why I'm not as excited about Torkelson. I'm not saying he's bad because we all know he's not. We talked about that before we jumped on. Like it's not as if I'm I'm disrespecting Torkelson. I'm just trying to give a little context to how there's a difference between what the MLB draft is and what a fantasy draft should be. Because those things are different. And any one of these guys can be great or suck. Like that's the reality. But you try to pick out these little things that give you cues um, and get there. I'm with you on the Austin Martin pick defensively uh, wide variety of skills. Definitely the best overall player in the, in this group we're talking about here. Uh, double down the fact that he's a blue Jay. Love it. I I'm concerned for the same reason I am with Torkelson about the offensive output, which is why I have him back at five. I, I'm not as convinced he's going to be a fantasy star as much as he's going to be a very good baseball player. So I, I'm with you in that, that consensus. I have them even further back than you at five uh, because I have uh, my number three is Meyer. He's also moving up my board for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. And then I, I did squeeze in Hassan Kim who for one of the very big reasons Rob talks about all the time, like he's going to go to the major league level immediately, right? These other guys are going to take time. So we're looking at output over a five-year window, which is what we talk about all the time. Hassan Kim is going to have immediate impact in your five-year window. And he's one of only two or three guys on this list that can do that.
0: Yeah. Was there anybody else, Mason, you want to touch on in that five? Or are we good to go six to 10 here?
3: Yeah. Uh, Martin, just same thing as him. Uh, he's. I mean, I'm not as familiar with fantasy, but obviously he's going to steal a lot. He's going to play three positions probably. So that's valuable. And then uh, Mitchell at four, like he's kind of like the, the, the darling for fantasy baseball sees so for the draft. The only thing I have the issue with him really is his age because he was 28. He was 21.8 on draft day, which is kind of scary, but I have him four still. So clearly I like him. And then Gonzalez was at my five, mostly just because of the fact that his data was probably the best in the college level, mostly just because of his exit velocity ability. And most people think he had the best hit tool, either him or Martin. And I I had Martin pre-draft, but now it's probably even closer. And then his power is just probably 55.
0: Okay. So, we're so what Mason just said was his number four at Garrett Mitchell, which is our consensus six. Uh, that's the outfielder for Milwaukee. Then we've got Garrett Crochet, uh, who is very interesting at our number seven with the White Sox. Na Sung Bum, who is still a free agent, and at the time of I'm trying to think if he's the ninth is his posting deadline date. He may or may not end up returning uh, to NPB. Uh, Asa Lacey, we have at our eighth spot, I believe. Is that right? six, seven, eight, nine spot. And coming in at 10 is Mick Abel, the high school or prep arm pitcher with uh, the Phillies now. So with Nas bomb Bum, the quick note on him is like a lot of power, very good eye. So he should realistically be able to come in and make an impact on MLB team. We saw with Sasugo last year, how things don't always work out that way, but I'm not even sure he's going to end up signing because of the wonkiness of this off season. So, by the time this airs, check and make sure his posting date hasn't passed. If he's if he's not here, just, just remove him from your draft board. But otherwise, if he is, we've got him, uh, myself and Ty have him ranked inside that top 10. We think because of his ability to come in for fantasy purposes, obviously, he should make an impact for you immediately. The only other guy I'm going to discuss on this, because I like Garrett Mitchell, I think he's going to be good. Unfortunately, I think, I think Mason, in, in the leagues I've been in, his stock has just been going up since the draft. Um, fantasy stock specifically because people were like, "Oh, I get it. Milwaukee's got a need. He's a college bat. This should just make sense." And then Garrett Crochet, who we obviously saw come up and pitch at a high level, throwing over 100 miles per hour with the White Sox down the stretch. However, an injury, which is the concern with Mitchell and Ty, you've or sorry with with uh, Crochet and Ty has touched on it before, with a potential for um, relief pitcher versus starting pitcher. So if that's what ends up happening with crochet, it doesn't mean he can't provide us with good value. It's just going to be in the position we would least like to see a dominance high-end pitcher in, which is, you know, that. So um, Mason, will give you the ball back here for six to 10. If you want to just discuss some of those guys.
3: Yeah. Six was where I had Hancock just because of sinker ball profiles. I'm not a huge fan of, but his three secondary pitches are just so far and way better than anybody else in the class. And he's in a great organization too. So possibly they could turn his two-seamer into a four-seamer, but he'll only probably have about, like, 15 inches of vertical break, so I don't see any reason why they would do that. Maybe they think because of his velocity and low release height, his fastball could be good up. So maybe they could turn it into, like, a semi-four-seamer, and he'll be decent, but primarily he's going to be, like, a turbo-sinker type down in the zone, which is still valuable because he'll be a 200-plus inning pitch guy. So that's why he's six instead of Mayer, who's two. Seven is where I had Veen, Colorado, Power, uh, very simple. Abel, eight. Uh, Abel is weird because the Phillies signed the best pitching coach in college, or not in college baseball, sorry, on the free market from the Reds, but he's in the MLB spot. So I'm not sure he'll work with Abel that much, maybe an Instructs possibly. That's Caleb him. He's the coach. But uh, the Phillies also are a big driveline team. They have the same hitting coach, uh, Jason O'Chard from driveline. So – that's just a great organization. Now he's eight just because of uh, his fastball, I mean, lower lease site velocity, he's a high school pitcher. So that's why he's lower. I'd say he's very similar to mayor uh, repertoire wise, but they have different builds, obviously one, six, five, one's five eleven.
0: And uh, estimated time for us in dynasty. Uh, Abel's going to get maybe a season and a half in the next five years. Whereas we could easily see mayor having two plus seasons.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, jump back to Crochet really quick. Like, you're talking 80-grade fastball, 70-grade slider, and then falls off, 50-grade future value. If you're looking at it from a scouting perspective, it screams back-end leverage, just screams it. And, and I don't know why you even flirt with that. You already have enough injury risk in that rotation in, in Chicago. I don't know why you would not lock him into a role and have a closer for a decade. Um, I just think that's what they do with him. And and frankly, if I if I thought they were gonna have him as a starter long term, I think he would have spent more time on this the at the 60 man camp last year and lengthened himself out instead of going right to the pros and getting innings instead of outings. So I really think that's telling as to how the White Sox see him, which is why I, I have him six, because I think it's gonna be a pretty much a guaranteed value. Or sorry, not six. I had him six, sorry. Um guaranteed value uh, out of him so i, I like that garrett mitchell's I, I don't don't have him as high as you guys yeah you've got I, him at I, 14
0: ty we both have him at four step yeah, up. I, step I, up. I, I just
2: i just don't think he's as strong a fantasy asset as, as people want him to be um i don't know i call it a gut feeling and just when i when i sit down and, and take a look at everything that i see there I, I, i'm just not seeing um the production side now it's similar to the potential Austin Martin conversation. Like I I do think um, he's going to be a serviceable baseball player. I'm I'm questioning whether the the tool set makes him a productive offensive talent. That's, that's the issue I have.
0: Okay. Well, that's fair enough. All right. So when we get outside, so Mason, just so you're aware, I'm stating who is our combined 11 through 15. So if you're going off your list, that's totally fine. Um, But if you go off the dudes I mentioned, then we're all on the same page for the Five Guys. There you go. It's that water you're drinking, oh, right? Sorry. You need to have. Don't that. don't go blaming but your Americanism so- <laughs> for this. Before um, you jump
2: off, really quickly, Rob. Yeah, yeah, just uh, on the the Nassau bum um, thing. What yes, I really please. like is really... <laughs> <laughs> he's a baseball There's... player, man. <laughs> well, I mean, if you if you go watch the yeah, at bat, first off, he holds the finish, and you know that I love a good finish old <laughs> He's got it, mm. Swagger. 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 and he's got power. It's there. It's a really short um, swing with the upper half. The, the hips get a little open, so I could see him having some difficulties against strong righty changeups or really good sliders on the left side. So a risk on the platoon side, but I do think versus righties, I think he's going to be a really important piece for somebody. And I and I think in this era. I think he's going to find a place uh, because the power is very real against the righties, and and people love to find good lefty bats that smash righties. That's a pretty valuable asset. So I think he's going to get going there. And Mason and I got into Acelleci before we even got into the podcast. So I, I, the thing that we talked about: um, quality of the curveball is there, quality of the fastball is there. The concern that I have is the gap between the release point of those two pitches. Visually, it looked off to me. That's the thing that I said, but Mason went into the, the, the track man data. It pulled up some little bit more defined stats and he's a little more comfortable with it. I still think there's a gap there. Um, I need to see him at pro ball. So I will, I will put a pause on my downplaying of Ace Alici until we see some pro ball numbers. I will remain concerned and I will remain out on Ace Alici until I am turned. But for now I, I'm sticking with, I think there's a tell And I think one of the things I talked to Rob about is the off-speed stuff for me has to be able to be effective in the zone. And I think some of these power arms coming up in the collegiate ranks right now, lack the effectiveness in the zone. And I I look at a guy with maybe less of power stuff than Asa Lacey, but Aaron Savali, who Rob and I have talked about and seems to be everyone's industry darling right now of a guy that's going to bust out. But there's pitches that I just don't think are effective in the zone. And so as you get further into them at the pro level better scouting more analysis of these guys those are the guys that tend to trail off so my my concern is is also there with Lacey because of the effectiveness effectiveness of the curve and the the high release point i think there's a bit of a tell there in terms of curveball don't swing and that's where i have long term concerns with ace Lacey. so he might power through the low minors people get excited so if you own him Don't be afraid to
0: sell him as he jumps up the low minors. And for us, Ty, like you've got him ranked 15. Mason's got him at 10. I've got him at five. We're all in different spots for him. And obviously, as you mentioned, it would be really good if in six months we were discussing how his season was going as opposed to what we're hoping to see um, from a progression standpoint. So 11 through 15, we've got Zach Veen with Colorado. Mason touched on him earlier. Uh, Tomoyuki Sugano who we're hoping to see sign I believe he's got like 48 hours left uh, Robert Hassel the third, also Robert Hassel the giant with uh, San Diego Nick Bitsko the gonna be bust with Tampa Bay I'm telling you and Austin Hendrick uh, with Cincinnati so Mason again the floor is yours tell me I'm wrong on Bitsko who I did accidentally rank 14 I did not mean to have him that high so I'm gonna make that adjustment
3: yeah, so Hassle, uh, I had a, just above uh, force, but I had Hassle ninth, just because of org, track record, probably the best hit tool from the high school side, that's very arguable, but some people might say PCA, I'm going to say Hassle right now, but uh, Bitsco 13, because uh, for the exact same reason the Rays took him, they literally drafted him off of a Soto pen, which was one of the best Soto pens out there. He was 95, 96 with a 19 IVB, a low release site, decent extension. Some people don't care about extension. I do. And uh, that's why I have him so high. He's in a great org. He's a high school pitcher, which is scary. And I, if some people have him lower because of that, that's fair. He also just got, was it UCLA surgery or is it Tommy John? He just got injured though, Bitsco. I thought
2: it was a Tommy John. And then since um, draft day? No. Yeah. It would no, it was Tommy John before
0: Yeah, I was gonna say he was coming back from Correct. what I believe was Tommy John. But you think it was a uh, uh, UCL?
3: No, he didn't get injured before the draft. He got injured about he got he got surgery like two he's getting he was announced to be getting surgery about a half a month ago or month and a half ago, sorry.
0: Okay, oh, I'll look, look
3: it up.
2: The... You guys keep going. Nope,
3: nope, it was on some hidden nope, pace.
2: sell sell button. <laughs> torn labrum <laughs> torn labrum oh smash okay. that sell button boys and if you in own God. if you own bisco you are selling immediately on a torn labrum be be done with that get out now before people realize sorry that's no, labrum. i'm st- reading
0: it too mlb.com yep he's surgery uh rest shoulder strength and exercises blah 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 yep so if you're in a first year player draft i'm sure by the time we release this when you Say, hey, I was listening to your episode. Where did go end up falling? We'll give you that information. Um, Mason's talking career potential here. And uh, Ty and I are specifically honed in on that five-year dynasty ranking. Um, so that's why there's a bit of a difference. So my re-rank prior to even knowing the injury, because I was thinking he was coming back from some issues. I now have him ranked 650 in this top 30 list.
2: <laughs> well he was coming back from an injury right he was previously. coming back and now he's got another one so I'm, right. I'm out i i have a zero rank on bisco i that's didn't true. even put him on the board so that's right. I, I was out before the injury but i didn't realize the labrum injury was second either so i'm even more out
0: than i was before okay well continue on so zach veen is somebody obviously like mason you touched on it uh colorado prospect so boom that's a supposed to be a tick up right and for fantasy owners that's two ticks up you want them even more He's really tall. He's really thin. If he was a pitcher, Ty would hate him. Um, But these are things that are supposed to make him a good outfielder in Colorado. The issue I've had, and the only point I've got on any of these guys is that Colorado has not done a good job in developing and playing at the MLB level, their prospects. Yes, they have a lot of guys that come up and we seem to know about them in the fantasy world simply because of the fact that, Oh, it's a Colorado prospect. There should be value there. But when I look at Robert Hassel III or I look at Zach Veen, I, am I as a fantasy owner, am saying, okay, give me Hassel III. I just like the idea of him better than I do Zach Veen. If I'm wrong in that, which your ranks are telling me that I am, why am I wrong? I know they're close. So you got them at seven and nine. But what's the edge you're going to give to Veen? Is it the Colorado park factor?
3: Uh, that's a big thing, definitely, yeah. But uh, okay. I just think the fact that I think he has much more power, And I think he just – his swing looks better, in my opinion. He has more explosiveness. He gets more hip-shoulder separation. I just like him a little bit better. Superstar
0: potential, right? Yeah.
2: Well, Mace, here's my take on – I want to get your thoughts. Like, for me, Veen is uh, a very similar swing to Bryce Harper, which is hard to replicate. Like, it's a very unique swing. Um, I I see a lot of comparables in the power that way. I actually think if you didn't have such a strong top 10 – in this draft, I think Veen in other years probably would have went one, to be honest. like I I think in in other years, he would have been year one, but you had so many strong college arms and bats in this draft that I I think there was a bit of a gap for him. Um, I think Colorado's counting their blessings. I think this is a steal at nine, to be honest.
3: I think you're right on all those.
0: So uh, Give us a little bit on Austin Hendrick because I have him ranked 649th.
3: Yeah, Hendrick was just weird because he's like the exact opposite of, ha- of uh, Hassel in the sense that he was like the fifth outfielder on the USA team, and he would pinch hit at the end of their international games, and he struck out a lot. Like, I think he was one for 11 on the numbers I saw. But he's left-handed. He has a plus-plus arm in right field. He's been great in instructs for the Reds from what I've heard. Uh, like, did you see the video of him hitting the home run off hen- of uh, Ethan Hankins with like a 30 to 5-degree launch angle and like 108 EV, I want to say? Like, I mean, that's just like everything about him. That's good. Like it's plus raw power, probably like a 45 to five hit tool, which isn't great. he will strike out, but I mean, he's got so much potential and he's in such a great organization too right now.
0: Right. Yeah. The reds for prospects are definitely on the up. The problem with the reds is that at the MLB level, they tend to just like mush a whole bunch of your 20th through 26th rank MLB types all into that outfield and then they mush up that infield too and it just it didn't work out last year but hopefully there's good things so down the road austin hendrick now where was he in the draft
3: hendrick he went 12 he was like an under slot for four mil i want to say okay four five slot 4.5 slot.
0: so depending on your own draft leagues you might not need to reach for him and if you're lucky enough and people are pitcher happy you might be able to get him back further on in the teens so if you're depending, if you're thinking about maybe drafting or sorry, trading up within your leagues, that might be a guy you don't need to worry about doing that with depending well, on your location. And, and the one thing you have to be
2: scared of is that he's an outfielder in Cincinnati and they have about 4 million of
0: those, which is why I did touch on that. And maybe we'll be lucky tie and maybe magically some of those guys will just go away. I'm sure if Cincinnati yeah. could do it all over again, uh, Shogo Akiyama would not have ended up with a contract as a red and uh, everybody else that they were bringing in, they would have just kind of let it go. We talked before about Jesse Winker. We'll, we'll get to him again when we hit February. Is there anybody on here for you, Ty, that that's kind of, you know, pinching a nerve that you'd like to just know your piece th- on.
2: I think um, Sugano is a guy that I think is going to surprise some people. This is one of the better pitchers coming over
1: uh, Amazing from, control, from right? Asia.
2: Yeah, and I mean we've seen we've seen the amazing control guys get absolutely lit um, over and over again uh, in this era of baseball. But I, I do think this guy is a guy that will induce. I, I think he's going to be ballpark centric for me as a fantasy piece. Like I've got him kind of in the middle. Like he could be a top five guy in this list in the right ballpark. And so I, I think it really comes down to where he lands. Like if he goes to the White Sox in the bandbox. Uh, then I, I think you might have some issues. But if he ends up in San Francisco, where I know they're interested, I think that could be a really strong fit for him. So it just really comes down to where he ends up. I think he could slide in either direction. Um, Hassel's a guy that I'm just not ready to to make a call on yet. I have him off my board because I'm uncomfortable about him. Um, younger bat that still has some... Fair it's fair. Yeah. Some timeline ahead of him, And and I think given where that organization is in San Diego, in all likelihood, he's a guy that moves on. I don't know
0: that he's a guy that is there in San Diego. So it's hard to group him into that success yet. It sounds weird, Ty, but it's kind of something where he's either going to rocket through the system and be part of the rise that they're on when they're peaking and add to that or as you suggest, he'll be trade bait, but if he doesn't take off as a prospect, he's more than likely going to end up being part of the next wave, which could be a far less competitive wave for San Diego, which is going to lower his value because it'll be, you know, him and Machado and whoever else is on a long-term contract that sticks around. So, um, but moving into the next grouping here from 15 through, we've got Nick Gonzalez with Pittsburgh, who was a seventh overall, I believe is where he went with Pittsburgh. Maybe it was higher. Uh, Tyler Sodestrom with Oakland, the catcher, uh, Mason's got a little point on him as to increasing his value. Cause he is a catcher and we at dingers do not support catchers in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Pete Crow Armstrong outfielder with the Mets, uh, Aaron Sabato, uh, the first baseman with, uh, tons of power with Minnesota and Heston Kirschad with Baltimore, the outfielder who was second overall in the draft. So Mason floor is yours have at it and make sure you give us your little point on Soderstrom.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gonzalez I already touched on it earlier. One thing I didn't mention, though, is the fact that some people might not like him because he's in Pittsburgh because of, like, their development or something. But his launch angles are already optimized. His attack angles are already optimized. He already has good EVs. He's a second base from up. They don't need any development on him. He's ready to go. So I don't care about what team he is on. So that's all I'll say to him. Uh, Soderstrom, Oakland. So Soderstrom's price tag was high. That's why he fell. And the fact that he was a high school catcher, but from what I've heard, the Oakland liked him so much because of the fact that he's probably going to play right field or third base because he was 90-93 on the mound at Turlock High School. So uh, he, he got drafted solely off the hit tool, which is probably plus. So I, the power is probably 50-55, but he's 6'3 with a fantastic build. One of the best – like the most ideal builds you could see. He's like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, six, 190, like 200 with a bunch of muscle already added because you've seen – there's videos that have circulated from him at – Oakland's instructs. So that's why he's up because of the fact that he's probably not a catcher anymore. I doubt he's playing catcher.
0: Note to fantasy owners you're drafting a catcher who is likely to move off the position. All right. Please continue.
3: Yeah. Uh, PCA was next. Uh, I already mentioned earlier but how he has one of the best hit tools in the class, either him, Hassel. He is a seven runner, a seven fielder. Doesn't matter fantasy, but he's going to play center field because of it. Uh, I, probably 45 power. He's similar to Car- Corbin Carroll, like 40. 45 power, probably it might play a little bit down in games, but the hit tool is so good and he's just so athletic, so his floor is already high as a high schooler. And then Sabato was next. Sabato I saw live twice in person, and he sucked, which is why like I was low on him he was very bad. So that I feel like that like hinged on him when I like evaluated him pre-draft, and it probably hindered my ability to, like evaluate him correctly but like I had him way too low. Probably that's probably the person I was most wrong on because his bat is just so good. And I don't, he's probably the worst offensive first baseman you'll ever see, but it doesn't matter. He's so good offensively.
0: Right. But when guys are relying on that one hit tool for us, if we're dating back maybe four years in fantasy, that falls into like the Willie Calhoun territory where he's bat, not bat first, he's bat only And where could Texas possibly find a spot for him? And now it's turned out to be kind of left field. It was supposed to be second base. And then people are laughing like, you think he could be second base? No, 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 no. And Willie Calhoun is one of those guys who might struggle with that. Um, I think Ian Happ has always been decent, but that kind of label was being put on him as a bat first guy. Now he seems to be good in the outfield. So uh, what about Kerstad? You know, people are talking about him kind of fallen off the draft board. I try to remind people of Carlos Correa being one of those, you know, he was drafted too high. This was a strategic move for Baltimore, right? So they could have a better draft class. So what can fantasy owners maybe expect from Kerstad as far as like, you know, what's the upside on the guy?
3: Yeah. Kerstad had one of the best bat of all profiles in college baseball last year, which is basically just launch angle distribution, hard hit roll rate, which is like his velocity, like standard deviation, that kind of stuff. But he's probably a right fielder. Decent, probably above average speed, which is why he can leg out some doubles down the lines. I had him 38th on my board. I think he was my lowest first round gate, grade or my highest second round grade. I can't remember correctly. But he, he was 38th, I remember, which is probably the lowest you'll ever see. But uh, Baltimore is really smart. So it's like, I don't know how you can disagree with them. They took him probably to get Bitsco. Uh, was it 31st overall when they took uh, the shortstop out of college and said? because bitsco went 20 oh
0: west westberg is that what yeah 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 I mean, come, yeah bitsco ended up going early
3: that's who they wanted it didn't work out because tampa wanted somebody else and he went earlier i'm not gonna say his name but uh i mean yeah kershade's just curse Kers- i mean he's decent we all have him in the exact same range basically so not much special there
2: yeah and i mean for, for me uh, i, I... I think it's a guy I love anybody that's drafted into Baltimore ballpark wise, like from a fantasy value. Like if they, if they have even a remotely uh, aggressive batted ball profile, then I think it's, uh, it's one of those things that, um, you know, you're going to see the power numbers kind of pop. So I think it's a scenario where I like him more in Baltimore than I would if someone else moved him up their board. So I think that's a super valuable piece there. I love the PCA tag on Pete Crow Armstrong. I think there's some talent there. I think the reality is the Mets are going to have one of two things happen. They're either going to spend all of their kitty this year and build around a veteran lineup um, or they're going to hold PCA back. And I think the timeline for him is going to be longer, which is why I have him off my board. I do think he's going to be a valuable piece. And if you're willing to sit on him for a long time, he's a good guy to own. But I think for a five-year value, I'm out on him for that reason. Um, I just don't think he's there yet. I'm, I am excited about Soderstrom because I had not heard the, the move off the position yet. So for me, that moved him way up when we started talking about that pre-show, uh, Mason. So I moved him up to 17 for me. Uh, I, I, like, I like the bat, but if he's not in a position where um, he's catching, I like it even more. And in that, so in this group, we we went through Austin Hendrick. I think big upside long term. He's got that six kind of two oh five frame that I really like to see baseball wise. Optimal strike zone, um, you know, good good square foundation to do a lot of different things with. So that's kind of my my key corner outfield profile. I like those guys long term. Still a lot of development there. I don't know that the six forty nine rank that Rob has on him is accurate. Um, <laughs> it's not and-
0: accurate. It's simply for humor.
2: And I did enjoy it. That's why I just wanted to point it out. Um, (laughs) But I do think he's got a longer window too. Uh, Same reason Cincinnati's window is going to be longer as well uh, before they have enough pitching to be competitive. So I think you're going to have to wait on Hendrick a little bit longer than you'd like to Nick Gonzalez. I'm, I'm not high on Nick Gonzalez and I'm, I'm a weirdo that way. And I, I say this all the time, Mason, I want these guys to prove me wrong. Like I really do. I want, I want every, all these kids to be successful because I know how hard it is to get where they are. So I, I have no ill will. It's just a gut feeling with Nick Gonzalez. I don't like the eye test and I think there's a scenario where he doesn't pan out. I do like the new regime in Pittsburgh. I think they have a lot of good people that they've brought in over the last couple of years and Sherrington, for me, is is a smart guy. Yep they, they brought a lot of the Jays staff who have built this core that the Jays have coming right now. So um, a lot of good stuff in Pittsburgh. And Nick Gonzalez, I'd love for him to be there. I am high on Brian Hayes. That's another guy in Pittsburgh. Would love to see Gonzalez paired and build around with him there. So um, those are the guys there that I like. Robbie knows how much I love Aaron Sabato. One of the things that I talk about, and Torkelson's like this as well, Mace, uh, guys that I like from a power perspective, especially college bats, the things I stay away from are dead pull guys. What I like about Sabato, when you watch a lot of the highlights, dead center shots over and over and over again, right? So the balance there with the power, like if you just look at the guy, you're like, Oh, that guy's got power. Like, you don't, you don't, it doesn't take a genius to realize this huge human being has power. Um, But when I see that power with the balance going out to dead center, for me, that says major league talent, right? You saw, and Robbie and I have done this a lot, like Pete Alonso, very similar. Right. So I think that's the comparable for me for Sabato is Pete Alonso, maybe 95% of the power. But I like it. I think you're going to see a little downgrade in the production because you're not at City Field. You're at Target Field. That's going to bring it back a little bit. But I I think that's the kind of trajectory Sabato could achieve. Um, And I like him probably as the best home run bat that came out of the first round. I think Torkelson's a better power bat, period. But I think for home
0: runs, I'm looking Sabato. Jeez, Just saying. Alonzo firmed me up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Just firmed, firmed me up a little bit to those. Folks I don't even
2: have a sound for that. <laughs> oh, here it
3: is. Hey,
0: that's not what I meant. All right, let's keep rolling here. So we've got Ed Howard with Chicago, the high school shortstop uh, Slate's Sissioni C- with Arizona, 21 year old SP Reed Detmers with the angels starting pitcher Kobe Mayo Baltimore third baseman, the 19 year old, and coming in hot at 20, Patrick Bailey, the most polarizing catcher in fantasy sports. So, again, Mason, floor is yours, my friend. Discuss, tie, please, counter. I will listen.
3: So, Ed Howard, uh, we had him 21st, uh, item 18th, uh, very, very simple reasons shortstop, athletic. Hit tool, there's about one of them every single draft, that's really good. Decent organization, so that's, there's not much in him. Ciccone, 19th, I had him, we had him 22nd. Ciccone had one of the best fastballs in the draft last year. He was on probably the best staff in college baseball last year, and he was the third guy on the staff, I'm pretty sure. But he has a fastball with about 19.8 inches of vertical break, low release height, velocity, everything you're looking for, traditional. Uh, That's why I have him there debt mirrors i had next item 22nd i can't believe i had him lower than somebody because i just don't like debt mirrors whatsoever he has no velocity he has no characteristics on the fastball that are good it's a four seamer but it, i mean it's got above average vertical movement but when it's 89.5 miles an hour to 91 miles an hour it's like gravity pushes it down so it doesn't matter so it's not like it's going to be a flat approach angle because of velocity being the third most highest variable
0: that's the perfect angel pitcher, okay? The guy that is supposed to do good things can't do good things, and then Matt Harvey ends up getting starts, okay? That's how it works.
3: <laughs> uh,
2: so true, though. You know, it's it's funny because Rob comes from the school of Jerry DePoto, who is the architect of all of these bad rotations. So it's just it's whoa, just whoa, no, no, your... no,
0: bad bullpens. Bad bullpens.
2: Yeah, but the problem oh, is, is that those bad bullpens are forced into starting roles because they have no starters. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right, all right. Yeah, I mean, for me, Detmers is a guy that I think has the, the low floor, low ceiling for me. Like, I think he's a safe guy to be triple A, quad A type and could find himself in that SP4, SP5 but i don't see him as a top or a first round talent like i really i just don't have him there like i have him 28th because there is a big fall off in this draft or no i don't have him 20 i have him further 29th sorry um because there's a there's a bit of a drop off because of the weird class that we had this year there's just a weird gap in talent pitching wise especially um cuz any of the arms that were notable like what's the guy out of ohio, ohio that uh probably could have came out in this draft, but went back.
3: Seth Lounsway? I think that's the one.
2: Yeah, like, he he's a, probably a top 10 guy this year, right?
3: Probably probably like top 30. He hasn't thrown yeah. any strikes in the fall, I've heard, but, like, his stuff is so good. He yeah. the best breaking balls in college baseball.
2: Yeah, so, like, there, there's just guys like that that stayed away because of the weird year. Um, and, and I think Detmers is a guy that probably benefited from being in this draft class, right? I, I think it's, yeah. just, it's just one of those guys that – I don't want to get excited about uh, the fact that he's in LA. Like normally is the scenario that I like, like normally, normally being in LA, and I talk about it all the time. It's a big reason why I was high on uh, what's his face, uh, Dylan Bundy going out there this year. The big thing for me though, that that gives Detmers a light at the end of the tunnel is I think he's going to profile as a fly ball guy. I think that's where he goes. Mace, I'd love to get your thoughts on, on that profile, uh, scenario because i think that's what has made bundy successful in la uh as a guy that's just moved there coming out of baltimore which is known as a hitter's park la gives you that advantage if you are a flyball guy and i think detmers could profile like that with the hook and the fastball what do you what do you think
3: yeah i think you make good points uh, I, I don't know too much about la's parks because i'm not a fantasy expert like you guys but
2: uh, his, his stuff definitely does. Good for us. Wait, well, wait, thank wait, you. Thank swagger, you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, well, the big thing about the the Angels Park is the evening games, the air is heavy, right? It's very. It's a very moist ballpark, for those of you that love that word, threw that out there. Um, and, and it's not good for COVID um, exposure, moist air. <laughs> But or dingers, <laughs> so, so so great for fly ball guys. So, I, I will say that 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 could be a big reason why they profiled Detmers uh, for the Angels. It could be an interesting fit there. I'm still not excited about him, I'm not going after him in a lot of places, but could be a sleepy guy as you move towards the major league level.
0: Good, good, we're all good there. All right, so that is our top 25 first year player draft summary um we were going to discuss a little bit of patrick bailey in depth but you know what let's do that along with a couple of the listener questions on a special bonus episode that we are going to do so we're going to wrap it up for this one and we will see you on the flippity flop on the next episode of Dingas